All right, welcome back to the big program. Still minus 36 in Edmonton uh, tonight, dipping down to minus 40. Chilly, chilly day. Uh, yesterday was a tough day for Edmonton media and uh, sports fans in our city for many, many years. Uh, we lost two really good ones in uh, John Short and Robin Brownlee. And in to talk about it is a longtime friend, colleague, is uh, Jim Matheson from the Edmonton Journal, uh, Hockey Hall of Famer. Morning, Maddie. How are, how are you? How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. I've already been outside and that's uh, 37 degrees to work out this morning. So oh. I, so when I, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know what, I, I guess I don't think we can complain too hard because it was, you know, middle great, of January yeah. before it got cold and we got any snow. So I don't, if I'm a person living in Edmonton, I don't know if I'd be complaining too bad. Yeah, we had great weather all the month of December, no snow. And if we no. can get few, get through a few more of these ones, you know, we got basically a month and a half here. So, True. you know, yesterday, Maddie, I guess, you know, you, you're in the morning, you're listening and watching your, your feeds and things like that. And you hear John Short and Robin Brownlee, just uh, you must have been pretty shocked like everyone else. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, well, I mean, in John's case, you know, mm-hmm. he was 86 years old and and, you know, he's been around a long time. And when an 86-year-old passes yeah. away, it's, you know, you're expecting that, you know, eventually, you know, that's going to happen. But in Robin's case, he's only 65 and he has a massive heart attack at home and and, and he passes away. And, and, you know, the old story, it, you know, hits home in terms of your mortality when your friends pass away and then you start thinking about yourself. And, and you know, I worked with both of them. And, you know, people forget that John Short was a newspaper man before he was a sports talk guy. Mm-hmm. And he started as a newspaper man and was really good at it at the Canadian Press and, and the uh, Journal. And Robin's case, um, that must have been some factory in Kamloops uh, because he covered the Kamloops Blazers when Ken Hitchcock was coaching. And, and he got out of there and he covered the Edmonton Oilers and Ian McIntyre got out of there and he's covering the Vancouver Canucks and Ben Kuzma mm-hmm. got out of there and he's also covering the Vancouver Canucks for newspapers and Sportsnet. So it must have been a hell of a factory there back in Kamloops. Yeah, uh, in good, good training ground. Uh, Jim Matheson with us on Sports 1440, longtime friend, colleague of John Short and Robin Brownlee. So for John, you would have met him basically, you know, we're talking way back in the 70s kind of thing. Well, I didn't get to, yeah, in the 70s, but mostly in the 80s when the orders were in their heyday. And, you know, people forget that John was also the PR man for the Oilers. Yeah. And he was the PR man for the Oilers the last year they were in the world hockey. So he was the one putting together the, the you know, the quasi-press conference when Wayne Gretzky flew in on the private jet uh, in 1970, uh, you know, 78. Yeah. Uh, season and then in the first year in the NHL so he was a multi-talented guy and even when he was a, a newspaper guy he had a gift of the gab he liked to talk so I mean taking that into the sports talk radio was was not that surprising mm-hmm. for me but it was also I mean back then sports talk radio wasn't like it is now where you know Sports Talk Radio is all over the place, and if it's not, there's podcasts and stuff like that. And in John's case, back then, he, you know, he did take a bit of a leap of faith in terms of going to radio and and trying to figure out whether people would would not only listen to what he said, but actually call in with their opinions. and And he's the first guy that also had post game shows on what happened in the Oilers game. 
and gave the fans a chance to to phone in and vent or talk about their favorite player or whatever. And, and you know, that's become a staple now. Yeah, there are many options to do it right now. Uh, Jim Matheson from the Edmonton Journal, our guest on Sports 1440. So, Matty, then Robin Brownlee, you know, I guess my early memories with the two of you, he would be at the Edmonton Sun, Robin, and you were at the Journal, yeah. of course, and, and sort of writing similar stories, similar angles uh, all the time. And how, how did that dynamic, and, and the, the thing I remember, of course, Matty, is the traveling on the road with you guys, you know, from 03 to 2010. But uh, it was that was a special time too. We were talking about it earlier, just the travel and you know going out for dinners and being friends and things like that. I, well, he, I, I first started with Robin, and he was a teammate at the Journal, and so he we both covered the Oilers, and and then he moved over in you know 2000 to work for the Sun. So we would travel on the road, and that's back when they they had an Oiler charter, and they actually let the, the media writers travel on the charter and you know our newspaper was very nice about it and they paid the bill and we, we traveled with the team mm-hmm. sat up at the front and robin always sat beside uh, rod phillips uh, and i would be sitting on the other side of the aisle i don't know i can't even remember who sat <laughs> beside me maybe nobody wanted to sit beside me but i always remember robin sitting with rod yeah. and uh and he he was a competitor, but he was also a friend. So that was the days when you would go out for dinners with, you know, the other guy from the other paper, and you would still talk about hockey. And then it became difficult if you had a story that he didn't have, and you're going out for dinner, and then he's picking up the paper the next day, and you got something he didn't have, and then, you know, he's upset. And but Robin was a was a tough out, is an opposing opposing scribe. He mm-hmm. was a team. He was a really good reporter and dug in and and uh, not much got past Robin. Yeah, we had Gene Principe on earlier, Maddie, and he was talking about yourself and Robin about how breaking stories and having scoops, you know, 20-odd years ago, a lot different than it is today. And, you know, how did you guys kind of keep on top of things without, you know, social media, internet, uh, all those things? Well, you had, you had contacts within the team. You're around the team all the time. You were, you were still banged out you know on the phone talking to agents and that sort of stuff and you're right now they have all these quote insiders you know whether you're Elliot Friedman or Pierre Lebrun or Darren Drager or whomever uh, you know Frank Saravalli whoever they tend to break stories before you do they get more contacts in the league um, but back then yeah you it was a big deal if you had a story you know about a player being traded or them uh, signing a player or who's coming in to coach the team before somebody else did and, and uh it was pretty competitive but it was it was also fun and and Robin had lots of contacts and I still remember the day he was good at what he did and he also had uh, deep pockets because as Mark Spector pointed out in his game story last night I can remember Robin paying the cab fare for Bull Miranoff when he went out Looking for Kovalenko, who'd gone missing. And, uh, you know, the joke was, you know, know, Bo was saying, uh, when asked, he said, did you find him? He says, no, I didn't. He says, I looked all night and somebody said, well, was it a two drink minimum at all these places or what? Because, (laughs) you know, Bo looked a little less for for wear coming out of that cab, but Robin paid the bill. So Mm -hmm. that was when 
when I don't know how Robin wrote that off in his expense account. To be honest, Cal Fair from but yeah, it was very interesting that day at the uh, LAX Marriott. I suppose you weren't surprised, you know, you uh, on social media across the country, just the outpouring of, um, I guess, admiration for both guys yesterday and today. That's yeah, very true, and I, you know, like I, th- I think John may have had the first sports talk show in the country. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we forget that it started in Edmonton, but like I said, now they're all over the place. But I think he started and and he got a niche. And you're right. Um, it is interesting because of social media now you find out what other people are thinking and, and extending sympathies and stuff other places outside your own city, which is very, you know, sometimes interesting. You didn't know that a person in Toronto knew who John Short was or, you know, in terms of Robin Brownlee, we all knew who he was in Edmonton, but he had a, little, a pretty big following around the National Hockey League with all the writers too. Yeah, and we're gonna, you know, we'll. I'm sure everyone's gonna, you know, tip a glass in the next few days to both guys. So yeah, and I, you know, I'm not sure when the, the funerals for mm-hmm. for both people will be, but you know, in John in Robin's case, like I said, he he was no longer a newspaper man, but he was, but he still worked for for you know, he was on with Jason Greger and, you yeah. know, for Oilers Nation and other stuff. And like I said, he passes away at 65. So, you know, he had some other health issues yeah. and he passes away of a heart attack. So, Yeah, well, we're going to miss them both. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on, Maddie, to yeah. kind of, you know, give your perspective because, you you know, you're, you've been around a long time. And Well, uh, that's, that's the operative word, that <laughs> long time. Well. <laughs> I know, I go back to these, you know, you know 40, 50 years to when these mm-hmm. guys are starting or 25 and die. Uh, You've been around a long time too, but yeah. sometimes your memory gets a little fuzzy. Well, yeah, it's it was just you know even you know we always say this when someone passes and you reminisce about it and you say, well, we should call this guy or go for a coffee with this guy. That's the same thing. We should probably do that here in the next little bit too. So yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks, Maddie, for hopping okay. on short notice. Appreciate okay. your insight okay. and, and your stories. Thanks a lot. Always a pleasure, Kev. Yeah. All right, that's uh, Jim Matheson, Edmonton Journal. Uh, just to, you know, looking back at uh, Robin Brownlee and John Short, who passed away uh, yesterday. Uh, it was a tough day for Edmonton sports media. And once again, i got to give uh, Jason credit, Jason Greger, extreme uh, kudos uh, yesterday coming on the air for, you know, four hours. And, you, you know, you could hear the emotion. And, and it was it was, you know, really from the heart uh, to, you know, friends, mentors and uh, to go on as Gregor did from two to six. That was uh, really, really good. So uh, when we come back, we're going to touch on the NFL wildcard weekend with Detroit and the LA Rams with Will Birchfield from 91.7, the ticket in Detroit. That's coming up on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, 9.21 in Edmonton, still minus 36, uh, a low of minus 40 tonight. Uh, but it is hot, hot, hot in Motown as the uh, big game coming up uh, this weekend between the Rams and the Lions goes Sunday night. And let's uh, welcome in uh, Will Birchfield from 91.7, the ticket in Detroit to talk about it. Uh, good morning, uh, Will. Welcome to Sports 1440. Uh, last night might have been the appetizer in Detroit with our Oilers in Motown to take on the Red Wings, uh, winning 3-2 in overtime. But the main course, the main event is Sunday night. How uh, fired up is uh, Detroit for this wild card game between the Rams and the Lions? Yeah, if, if Detroit fans had to trade a, a wing loss last night for, <laughs> for a Lions win Sunday, 
they would make that trade 41 more times this season. And that's in Hockey Town where they, they adore their hockey team. And I'm telling you right now, if the Wings went 0-41 the rest of the way for a Lions win on Sunday, this town would take it 10 times over. They're that fired up and more. This is a game that is 30 years in the making. The last home playoff game here was in 1993. This is a team looking for just its second playoff win in the Super Bowl era. It's staggering the misery this fan base and this organization has been through. They get a chance on Sunday against their former face of the franchise to finally, finally turn the page. I'm imagining that if Dan Campbell wanted to run for mayor, governor, whatever, in Detroit or the, the state, he's hands down, he gets in. Uh, he's that much beloved in Motown right now? Oh, no doubt. I think he could maybe even run for, for POTUS. I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think he really has become America's coach. I think this has become, in a lot of ways, America's team. I know that tends to be labeled as the Cowboys, but people beyond Detroit and Michigan have rallied around the Lions knowing how long it's been and knowing what this team has been through. And just Dan Campbell is such an easy guy to root for. I mean, if there was a, a human being that symbolizes football, it's Dan Campbell, who was raised in Texas on a cattle ranch and played football in Texas and, and played for the Cowboys once upon a time, played for the Lions, in fact, was part of the Lions team that went 0-16 back in 2008, the first team in NFL history to do that. He said the reason he wanted to come back here as a coach was to be part of the group that, that finally wrote a new story here in Detroit. So he, he is fired up, and he has fired up the city in the process. Will Birchfield, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Will from 91.7, the ticket in Detroit. So many storylines for this one, Will. Uh, first off, the health of Sam Laporta. After seeing him go off the field last week, uh, is he good to go? And uh, how healthy is he for Sunday night? Those are good questions. And he's optimistic that he'll play, which is what he said yesterday, which honestly... Was, was a surprise to hear because the Lions, and Dan Campbell said this, thought he had no chance to play when he was carted off the field last Sunday with what looked like a pretty ugly knee injury. The foot gets stuck in the turf. The knee bends inward. It looked like it could have been an ACL, an MCL. It was luckily just a hyperextension and a bone bruise. And, and, and Laporta did run some routes yesterday with Goff at practice. He did take some blocking reps. He said he's optimistic he'll play Sunday. The Lions will know a lot today if he can put in even a limited practice. Um, whether or not he'll play Sunday, we'll see based on today's practice report. But it's leaning towards him before the plane, and it can't be overstated how big that is to this offense. Sure, they've got tons of weapons mm-hmm. besides him, but other than Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta is Jerry Goff's favorite and, and most trusted receiver. I mean, he's the guy that, that Goff is looking at in the red zone, on third down, on those gotta-have-it plays, and, and more often than not, he's come through. He was electric. He was lights out all season long, set the rookie record for catches by a tight end. If they have him out there on Sunday, even in, say, a 60-70% to 70% capacity, I think that's a huge boost for this offense and the team at large. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, what a season. Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he's top two in the league in receivers. I, he might even be number yeah. one. Uh, what has he meant, his progression so quickly, what's he meant to turn this, help turn this franchise around? You know, I'm glad you said that because 
to me, it often feels like Amon Ross and Brown goes overlooked when people talk about the elite receivers in the NFL. Certainly, Justin Jefferson headlines that conversation. CeeDee Lamb does. Tyree Kill. But as you just referenced, the numbers that Amon Ross St. Brown has put up over the past two and a half seasons since his breakout game way back in week 10 as a rookie are staggering. He leads the NFL in catches over that stretch. He's fourth in yards, fourth in touchdowns. He is a superstar. And I'm not sure enough people, mm-hmm. because of the, 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 the slot position he plays or the city he plays in, fully grasp just how dominant St. Brown has been. He has been everything to this rebuild. I mean, it's guys like St. Brown that Dan Campbell and GM Brad Holmes wanted to build around. He was a fourth-round pick who, as everyone knows, memorized the names of all 16 receivers taken before him. He's got (laughs) chips on each shoulder and then some. Um, He he doesn't lack for motivation. He is a guy who refuses to be told what he can or can't do. He sets his own limits and then continues to exceed them. Um, he, He represents what the Lions have become under Dan Campbell, just a team that that is that is tough and 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 is willing to do whatever it takes to win and, and another guy like Laporta who always seems to make the play when the games and drives are on the line um, he really is one of the faces of this rebuild along with Goff and Dan Campbell. I think it's the city he plays in and his quarterback. If you look at like C.D. Lamb, it's Dak, Pres- Dak Prescott, it's sure. the Cowboys. I, that's the only reason why he isn't mentioned in the same breath. Uh, our guest today on the uh, Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 is Will Birchfield from 91.7, the ticket in Detroit. Uh, the two-headed monster in the backfield has just been so successful this year. What have you made with how uh, Coach Campbell and the player usage of uh, Montgomery and Gibbs? Yeah, it's been really impressive. And look, there were a lot of skeptics when Brad Holmes basically discarded Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift last last offseason after those guys had put up a really good rushing season, one of the best rushing seasons in recent Lions memory, and replaced them with David Montgomery on a pretty hefty free agent contract and Jameer Gibbs with a 12th overall pick in the draft. And, and look, we know that in today's NFL, everyone is told to – not to prioritize running backs, but the value of running backs isn't what it used to be. And that might be true from a financial standpoint, but I'll tell you what, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs have elevated this offense to another level. Their, their ability to find yards after contact, to turn those five-yard runs last year into 10- and 15-yard runs has, has really taken the top off of a lot of defenses. And, and both of them can break open the game at any moment, Gibbs especially, he led the NFL this year among running backs in yards per carry. And to me, that's, that's the defining statistic for a running back. I mean, how efficient are you? And, and he has been the most efficient of the bunch. McCaffrey ranks second, so he's in the right company there. And um, since Gibbs returned from, the, from a hamstring injury way back in week seven, um, only McCaffrey has more rushing yards. So, so those two guys um, have, have really allowed Jared Goff to flourish because they, they have forced defenses – to respect the run, they've opened up the play-action path, and Jerry Goff, along with Mahomes, is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in play-action. So it's not just what they've done on the ground, but also how they've opened things up in the air. NFL wildcard weekend begins tomorrow with Houston and Cleveland. Sunday night, it's the Rams and Lions in Detroit. Uh, we've got uh, Will Birchfield from 91.7, the ticket in, De- in Detroit to break it down. Will, is it just simple to say that Aiden Hutchinson is the de facto leader on this team, the heartbeat of the team, and how he goes, the team goes? 
I think that that second part is certainly fair to say. I, I think this defense is defined and, and will be defined in the playoffs by which version of Aiden Hutchinson they get. And if it's the guy who, over his final two games, had five sacks and seven tackles for loss and ten quarterback hits, there's no reason this team can't be in the NFC Championship game in two weeks' time. Now, if it's the guy who, for most of the year, had tons of QB pressures but struggled to translate those into sacks, Mm -hmm. they could lose on Sunday. He really is that important to this defense because he's the only guy – they have that can generate consistent pressure on the quarterback. Obviously, losing James Houston early in the year hurt. He had eight sacks in seven games last season. They've been searching for someone since then, opposite Hutchinson, to get after the quarterback. But when when he is wrecking games, when when he is beating double teams, and especially when he's winning his one-on-one matchups when he gets them, which he did in Dallas and he did last week against Minnesota, it changes the complexion of the entire defense because look, mm-hmm. the Lions have holes at cornerback. I don't think Cam Sutton, while he signed a big deal, has played up to the level of a number one corner. Opposite him has been kind of a carousel all season long. So there are there are holes that can be attacked by quarterbacks and receivers in the secondary. But when that pass rush led by Hutchinson gets home, that's the best way to cover those holes up. So I don't know if he's the heartbeat of this team. I, I think that's someone more like Amon Ross St. Brown. But he is certainly the most important player to this defense. Well, 2009, the number one overall draft pick in Detroit, Matthew Stafford. <laughs> so the Stafford golf angle, is this the number one storyline going into this game? No doubt. Um, and how fitting and poetic for Matthew Stafford to finally have a chance to win a playoff game in Detroit against Detroit. <laughs> and if he comes in here and, and does that after he failed. To, to ever do that 12 years here, um, I don't think the city will be standing Monday morning. Now, if he doesn't do it and they win, I also don't think the city will be standing on Monday morning. <laughs> there is so much emotion and pent-up angst in the fan base that is ready to spill out on Sunday night. They would love nothing more than to see their team stare down their former quarterback who won the Super Bowl the very first year after he asked for a trade out of here and just send him packing and bury that part of the past. Because right now, Stafford represents everything the Lions haven't been. Because the minute he left, he won somewhere else. If they could flip the script on him on Sunday, it would mean everything, I think, to this fan base, who then might get a chance, if the Cowboys win, to go back to Dallas, where this team was robbed of a playoff win on an officiating yes. gap back in 2014 and were robbed of a win for the two-seed on an officiating gap in Week 16 and bury that part of their past, too. So the, the pathway for the Lions to potentially the NFC Championship is filled with demons, and, and, and what a great chance to slay those demons, to exercise them. So I know I'm getting ahead of myself Mm -hmm. here, but the way it all lines up couldn't be more poetic for a team that has been waiting for this moment, as I said, for decades. Especially with what happened, as you mentioned, in those games. And is it uh, uh, like a pack mentality, you know, us against, uh, you know, the whole NFL, the world, the refs, the whole thing? Do you feel that in Detroit? Oh, no doubt. And when Dan Campbell walks around wearing a Detroit versus everybody t-shirt, mm-hmm. he makes sure that he represents the fan base's emotions. He's very cognizant of how Detroiters and how this organization has been treated and also views themselves. And this is a city and a team that has rallied around the underdog story and kind of pushing back 
against the outside perception of who they are and, and what they've been. And, and Dan Campbell hasn't hid from the past since he came here. He, he's embraced it. And I think the Lions, again, in bringing Stafford here and potentially going to, going to Dallas, have a chance to run through their past. And to me, the only way out is through. So, so this is just, just an awesome opportunity for the Lions to, to write a new story and, and prove to the NFL and to all of their critics that they aren't the same old Lions, that in fact they are the brand new Lions under Dan Campbell. Will Birchfield with us from 91.7, the ticket in Detroit. How do you think the Detroit secondary stacks up against the likes of Cooper Cup and Pakua, or Puka Nakua? Uh, not well, and that's, that's probably the biggest reason for concern for the Lions entering this game. If you ask me, uh, how do you feel about this team's chances, I would say I like, I like the Lions roster against the Rams from top to bottom, 11 to 11, both sides of the ball. What gives me pause is that I think the Rams have the more talented quarterback in Matthew Stafford. They have the best defensive player in Aaron Donald, and they have an offense that, that can expose – the Lions' weaknesses on defense. I don't love the Lions' ability to match up with their corners, be it Cam Sutton and likely Kindle Vildor on Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. Now, the Lions do have talent at safety. They get C.J. Gardner-Johnson back last week. Kirby Joseph, Ify Optimelefanu, has emerged here. But the matchup of Cup and Nakua against those outside corners, again, if the Lions can't get pressure on Matthew Stafford, is one that the Rams will exploit time and time again. Here's one number that's kind of jumped off the page to me. Matthew Stafford has a passer rating on throws of 20-plus yards, 120.5 this year, one of the top marks in the NFL. He's been much less explosive on intermediate and short throws. So those, those plays down the field take time to develop. The Lions cannot afford to give him time. If the pass rush led by Hutch gets home, the Lions have a chance. If it doesn't, they're going to have to score about 41 points to win Sunday night. I think they can do that if need be. But to me, this game will be a track meet in the cozy confines on the fast track and forward mm-hmm. field. Um, and it's going to come down to, to which team, which quarterback can put up the most points. Uh, one last one for you, Will. Uh, just, you know, the talk about the Lions offensive line has kind of been well documented this year and how well they've played. But how does this offensive line handle Aaron Donald? Yeah, and you know what? Next to Aaron Donald is Kobe Turner, who yeah. might be the defensive rookie of the year. They, they've got two defensive tackles in there who, who are dominant, game-changing forces. And so if you double-team Aaron Donald, which you probably have to, Kobe Turner is going to find himself in a lot of one-on-one matchups. But this is the strength of the Lions, of Lions offense. And probably the heartbeat, now that I think about it, besides players like St. Brown and Goff, other team, this has been their identity since Dan Campbell arrived, there were a couple of good pieces left behind by, by the prior regime. They've added to that with guys like Panay Sewell. And, and I think they're, they're primed for the challenge on Sunday night. They're raring to go. I, I don't think the Rams have much in the way of a pass rush off the edge. If, if Frank now, who was probably the best center in football this season, and Jonah Jackson, who's been a Pro Bowl guard, and Graham Glasgow next to him can contain that interior pass rush, I think they'll be okay. And it's essential because everyone knows Jared Goff is a, is a mobile quarterback. And when he has pressure in his face, he is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. When he has time, he is statistically one of the best. If they can give him time Sunday night, again, I think they can score upwards of 35, 40 points if they need to. Hey, Will, thanks so much for this. Appreciate your time. Enjoy Wild Card Weekend, in particular Sunday night's game. All right. Thanks a lot, guys.
That's at Will Birchfield, 91.7. The ticket in Detroit should be a doozy in Detroit on Sunday night. When we come back, Brennan Menard from the Sherwood Park Crusaders will guest with us, and he will be our St. Albert Dodge game of the day because it's a big one. Tomorrow night, Brooks in Sherwood Park. It's going to be a doozy there as well. Before that, here is the Duke with our ski report. Sports 1440 Ski Report. Your ski report for Friday, January 12th, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. Extreme cold weather has forced the closure of virtually all ski areas in Alberta today. Several are considering opening tomorrow, but the majority are hoping for a Sunday reopening at the earliest. That includes all Edmonton ski areas, mountain resorts like Marmot Basin in Jasper, Sunshine and Northway down in Banff, Nakiska in Kananaskis, and Castle Mountain Resort all the way down in the southwest corner of the province. Lake Louise is planning on operating a couple of frontside chairlifts and their beginner's area, making it the only mountain ski area to operate today, and even that could change as the weather remains dangerously frigid. Now that the snow has arrived in the city, the cross-country trails are starting to shape up with the trail system in Gold Bar Park being the best choice since a portion of it features snowmaking. You can keep up to date on the cross-country conditions around the city through a couple of excellent online options. One is the Nordic Pulse website and the other is the Ski YEG application. It might be cold out, but it's never too cold to cross-country ski. That is your Snow Valley Ski Report. Oh, the Duke is really moving and shaking this morning. Uh, that was a request from Northside Norm. Uh, Gloria Gaynor, because uh, Northside Norm says, after the win, the replacements, uh, I mean, I think he's talking about the Oilers win, the replacements was on AMC last night, and I watched about 15, 20 minutes of a Duke, and I thought of you every moment. Um, great way to relax and stay warm. Maybe in honor of that movie, Staying Warm, we should play I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor from Northside Norm. Duke, I was so disappointed when that came on. I knew you were on the bus coming home from Panoka. And I'm going, this would have been a perfect time for the Duke. I, you don't get AMC, I don't think, on, no. your, on your channels. You, <laughs> on, whatever, on my TV, it's nothing but connected to the internet. No, yes. yeah. I uh, I do not have... You um, still got to find that. It's You got to be able to watch it this so, weekend. So, yeah, the, the discussion being with when we had, we chatted about with Connor, um, mm-hmm. I think it was last week or maybe the one prior, like, you don't even think it's that good of a movie, but it's just like, you just you have, have to watch, watch it. it. Yeah, it, It's one of those must watch things, like, you know, check off the list type film. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Time now for the game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Uh, Over 300 new Dodge Ram and Jeeps are available. 0% for up to 72 months on select models. 0% also available on Ram 1500s. Only at St. Albert Dodge. Dot com. Check them out as we welcome in Brendan Menard, Sherwood Park Crusaders head coach as the Crusaders are getting ready for a massive tilt tomorrow night in Sherwood Park with the Brooks Bandits. Uh, morning, Brendan. Welcome back to Sports 1440. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Uh, doing great. Uh, thanks for uh, coming on on a chilly morning, uh, in, you know, in the capital region. So tomorrow night it's going to be cold again, but... I'm sure you guys got everything ready for a chilly night, for a, a hot night inside the Short Park Arena with Brooks in town. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's going to be a big one. Um, it's always, they're, they're so good. Um, <laughs> so, but it's so cold here. I'm in my coach's office right now, and the cold <laughs> is just bleeding through the walls. <laughs> but, I mean, you crank up the heat in the old barn, she'll be nice and toasty in there. Yeah, hopefully we can uh, get it hot. 
So I remember all, you know, teams that, you know, when I was back in the day playing some hockey, you know, there would be announcements that say, okay, we'll, we'll boost your car after the game. We'll make sure everything, everyone's taken care of. We'll get you home. No problems. Is, is the organization looking at things like that for tomorrow night as well? I hope so. We mm-hmm. need to make sure that all our, our all of our players' vehicles work so they can get to the ring. Because I, I I know we're all having car trouble here this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you What do you make of just tomorrow's matchup? I mean, the top two teams in the league. Yeah, it's uh, like I like I they're the class of the league, obviously, and really junior A hockey. That's you know not in uh, I guess in Canada. So. Um, yeah, it's it's a really good test for us. We've made some additions, and so have they. Uh, both teams, I think, are playing well. Um, the lot we we've played in some close games, but I don't really feel like there's as close as the score would suggest. At times, they're just the better team with us, but I think we're we're a different team now, and so are they. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where we've come since the last time we played them, and where they've come as well and looking forward to it. it's just a good test for our team as we prepare for the you know the final third of the year se- as we're in the final third of the season preparing for playoffs mm-hmm. brennan menard Sherwood park crusaders head coach is our guest on sports 1440 so what's different about your team acquisition wise what changes have you made recently so we added uh adam raisler he's from drum heller and he's uh i would say he's like a power forward he's he skates really well. He's got a lot of skill, undercover skill. But we did lose Diego Johnson to the USHL, so we're in the middle of upgrading. And then Diego goes to the USHL to the team that drafted him, Madison. So that's a bit of a tough break, and it's really hard to, rip. you know, you're planning on. Uh, making your team better and giving the guys another piece to further push and then you lose a guy so that's tough but we did add a really good player in him we added sharp uh cooper sharp from camrose and he played on the world junior a team canada west and he brings some pedigree to our back end which was already a really a really talented and strong back end and then uh, we just added another player from – he was from Drayton Valley. It's Will Christian. And he, he's like a – he's a pretty speedy, like a spark plug type player. But he's got some skill, and we've, we've had him here for the last couple of days and been skating with him before practice and getting to know him. And I think he's going to add some good, uh, good depth to our, to our roster. Brandon, what's the what's the backstory behind Diego Johnson going to the USHL? How does how does that transition work? I'm not really sure. Like we, he was drafted there, and I think at any time they can go. I do. I think they have to like pay a fee hmm. uh, to take him for you know player. I don't know if it's player development fee or whatever it is. Or, but yeah, they drafted him. If I'm not mistaken, and they just yeah they call him and. He's having a good year, obviously, and um, you know, at World Junior A and all that. Mm-hmm. I guess they, they would have watched him there and liked how he played, and they just called him and put gave him a sort of a decision: Do you want to come? And with 20 games left, he thought, I think uh, that that was going to help him in his draft status um, in his draft year. So uh, I don't try and hold guys back, really. I just. If that's what if that's what you want to do, I I think 
guys are always going to do what their heart tells them. I don't think who am I to tell them yeah. no. So I don't, I try to not tell them anything and just let them make the decision that they think is best. And yeah, so he leaves and I think we got like a small fee for, for him leaving, but it does, it doesn't cover the services that he brings to our team and the importance of it. But you know, it's like, it's been all year. Um, we have guys leave or go down and new players step up and it's just a good opportunity for anybody else. And it's, it's why we have depth on our team and it's, been good so far so hopefully we keep that going brandon menard uh, sherwood park crusaders head coach our guest on sports 1440 our sherwood park game of the day is tomorrow night in sherwood park as the crusaders take on the league leading brooks bandits uh, brooks right now sitting atop the table in the alberta junior hockey league with a record of 37 and 4 sherwood park right on their heels in second place with a record of 33 8 and 1 uh, one of those losses came on Wednesday night, uh, Brennan, against uh, your arch rivals from uh, across the city in Spruce Grove against the Saints. Uh, what did you make of that contest? How did your team play against the Saints on Wednesday? I thought <clears throat> I thought we had the puck for long stretches of the game. We they they kind of play a game where they keep they try to just play low scoring games, and um, we need to know and learn how to win a low-scoring game where we're not scoring five and it's wide open, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've won close games, but that would be like really what you would call a low-scoring game. Their goalie plays well. They they defend really well. They don't necessarily generate a ton, but it's kind of the game that they wanted to – they're comfortable playing in. I thought that we we could have been stronger on pucks. I thought we could have been uh, more determined uh, at the net front in the offensive zone when we do get when we were getting chances. And we did have a lot of really good ones. But when it came down to finishing the play, if the goalie made the save, we just weren't strong enough in those moments. We didn't make enough of our rush chances that we had things that we work on all the time our finish wasn't there really we have to bear down whether the goalie played well or not and then i would just say like we give up one power play goal because we stayed on the ice too long when we should have changed and had a chance to change at this time of the year that's unacceptable and then also um coming back in our defensive zone we make another mistake uh, on a sort and and then, you know, those things are always going to happen at this level all the way to the NHL level. It's not really unique to us, but, you know, we just need to do a better job with that. So things that are within our control that we just didn't do. And uh, we need to know how to, you know, be successful when they're those flying games. Hey, Brennan, how have you found personally, just uh, as a coach coming in, uh, you know, your first year in Sherwood Park uh, as head coach of the Crusaders, how have you found things uh, behind the bench uh, in the AJ? Yeah, it's it's been fun to be a head coach. It's what I wanted to do. Um, so it's been good. I Obviously, we have a lot of good players on our team, so that's, that makes the job easier. You win a lot, sells your message. It's obviously easier to get buy-in when when you're having success, and so you do need you know you need to have mm-hmm. a strong roster to to get results right away, and then your message sells quicker. So that's been it's been good that way. Um, it's a sort of a synergy and philosophy 
in the organization of how we want to play. So there's not really a lot of pushback with that. And then in, in saying that you're able to just coach how you see it and, and not really feel pressure. Why aren't you doing this? Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Those things definitely do exist in other places. So it's been, it's been good. I just feel like I've been able to, to do the job that I, the way I think it is, it should be done because, you know, the people that support me feel the same way. And um, yeah, it's been good. And then <clears throat> just in the league, there's a, a pretty large discrepancy from top to bottom of the of the talent with the top teams and the Brookses and then the bottom teams, whoever that may be. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, most of the time. You're, I think for we need to be trying to just be at our best. The opponents are the opponents, and the, the skill will always sort of that they have will it'll differ, but. For me, I just think it's always we're just trying to be as the best we can be and mm-hmm. keep pursuing new levels. You know, you're kind of playing against yourself uh, just as much as the opponent trying to, you know, be the best you can be and then get better from there. Well, appreciate your time, uh, Brennan. Thanks for hopping on. Good luck tomorrow. Hopefully uh, you get a good crowd despite uh, the uh, temperatures and it should be smoking hot in the building. That's for sure. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, that's Brennan Menard, Sherwood Park Crusaders head coach, and our game of the day, which is tomorrow, and that should be a Danny. The top two teams in the Alberta Junior Hockey League going head-to-head for St. Albert Dodge. The game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge with that industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge. See how easy it is to do business with the great people at stalbertdodge.com. And Brad McCrory will take care of you. Many years in the Alberta Junior League with the Fort Saskatchewan Traders, all-time penalty minute leader. Well, I don't know if he is, but he's way up there. That's a stat I'm going to have to try to find Duke. Going to look for that, see if that's the case. He's a big, tough guy, you know. Yeah, you know? we, we got to verify it. We got to well, verify that stat. Okay, well, I I know that he's had a couple seasons. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'm going to work on that. We're going to work on that. There we go. That's a task, task for the <laughs> that's, weekend. That's my... Ver- verify Brad's PIMS with the traders. <laughs> you, watch the, uh, you watch the replacements. I'll check out you'll, Brad's you'll PIMS. You'll track down yeah. Brad's uh, hockey DB page. Mm-hmm. Uh, top of the hour, we'll have some open time. I think we'll do some NFL. Uh, maybe I'll share a story with uh, about Robin Brownlee or two. And, you know, even John Short. I was lucky enough to go on John Short's show, you know, in le- the late 90s when I was working at ITV. You know, he would bring me on at night a couple of times. So uh, maybe we'll discuss a couple of old stories too as well in the 10 o'clock hour. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by the Snow Valley Ski Club. <laughs> All runs and lifts are open, we hope or think. I'm sure they're a little nippier today. Or not, be, not today. Not today. Ski, they're ski closed areas today. are closed today uh, and prob- Everywhere. probably tomorrow. Yeah, like basically yeah. Louise is the only place in the province that's open. And like they, they might, well, very well uh, might shut it down in the middle Tough. of the day. Yeah. Uh, anyway, when it the weather gets a little nicer, all lifts and, and uh, runs will be open. Uh, for family fun, seven days a week, visit snowvalley.ca for details. Here is the Duke.